When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wish there was a horny French commercial like that. I think <laughs> probably I somewhere. Think when French commercials get horny, though, they're just way too horny. I, I, th- I remember watching like European commercials that just had nudity in them. And yeah. like, I, there are French commercials where people are basically just fucking on screen. So, yeah. but that's not, that's not like the fun kind of horny like I don't think song. there's fun horny in France. I think it's either on or off, Johnny. <laughs> I think the fun horniness is normal everyday life and when they want something to be mm. horny, it's too horny. So the <laughs> so their baseline, their baseline, baseline is just fun horny. horny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, that makes sense. I get that. go to the tailor. So you enter this shop and there is a blonde person. They look, I think probably they're late 20s, early 30s. They are right now moving through pins that are on this mannequin. I'll be with you in one minute. Please make make, make yourselves comfortable. Uh, can I offer anyone anything? No, nothing, nothing at all. Uh, yeah. Um, can I help myself to this, uh, this tea that's over here? There's something brewing. You absolutely can. Okay. In fact, if you wouldn't mind pouring me a cup, that would be very helpful. Okay. Uh, Janet pours two cups and then he walks over with both and he hands one to, well, he offers it over to, uh, the man. Just Put it down on the counter. Thank you very much. I'm busy with my hands right now. <laughs> right, right, right. What does the shop look like? I'll take details from each of you, but I think uh, it is very colorful. This town has a lot of dyes to it. Uh, you could see that in the streamers and decorations outside for Boganalia, but inside this shop, it is even more apparent. There are vivid fabrics on the wall dyed magnificent colors. And uh, the shopkeeper himself is in this beautifully embroidered waistcoat and shirt. The waistcoat is a vivid green And I think his shirt is like a striped kind of cranberry. It's uh, very cute and quaint. He 
I believe he makes a new suit or outfit for Axel every Bogganalia. Yes, he does. Um, so every year they'll whoever will bring it to his shop, he'll like remeasure Axel very carefully, like create this new look for him every year. So I think that maybe there are either like sketches or maybe just like uh, the outfits from years past. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think there are definitely uh, sketches that sort of line the walls. Although with a blind tailor, how useful is it going to be to sketch Mm. out and out? I Maybe... The patterns. There, yeah, there are models. I mm. think perhaps because, mm. like, a, a blind a blind person would have to operate a lot by really good sense of measurement and touch. Yeah. So sure. yeah, maybe, maybe they they're just like little modeled outfits. There are a bunch of axles with like tiny uh, constructed outfits uh, of, throughout the years pinned to them. All right. So maybe there's like a. Maybe it's a piece of magic or maybe enchanted, like a tape measure. And it's Mm -hmm. by his side kind of all the time. And like it only works when he does it. But if he just speaks a number like 32 inches, it'll snap to that length. Ooh, that's really cool. And that's it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a version of that that we can uh, noodle up. I like that a lot. So yeah, the, the the place also is colorful and like kind of got an eccentric, gaudy sense of decoration. Everything is upholstered. Everything is fabrics of different prints and colors that are clearly, you know, made with love and joy. But the whole place is just very loud. Is this fun enough for you? Oh, it's, it is, uh, I'm, Yes. I'm so sorry. Uh, like, what's happening right now is Gable's stuck in a chair that's too small for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but is too too polite to say anything. It's one truly be- in- incredible. Some of these patterns I uh, and dyes. I'm. Uh, I think big person in a tiny chair is very fun. Well, excuse me. <laughs> it, it's not fun if you're the big person. I apologize. I. I no, oh, oh no! I, uh, forgive me. I. I thought you were doing that on purpose. No, oh no. Because you're trying to be fun? No, I do. How? Wait a second. How did you know? Well, uh, to start, uh, your whole attitude, you scream a person who's very uptight and trying to be fun right now. Second, you literally screamed, I'm trying to be fun in the shop next door and I did hear it. Yeah, that's... that's Thin walls. The... the, um, what What was your name again? My name is Alex. Thank you, Alex. Um, you are. I don't think it's going to be very useful for me to try and pretend to be anything. I'm not around you, huh? I mean, do you want to be fun? Honestly, no. I don't think it comes very naturally to me. I'm more of a protector kind of parent figure, and I think that I fit a lot better in that role. But I just want people to like me, and I'm telling you a lot. I'm sorry. I'm going to try and sit back down now. John, you, you... You tell Alex about the coat. And then Jonna just like pulls out half a coat. <laughs> it's this, but they've got the other half and we need a better. What do you got in coats? Oh my God, that smells terrible. Yeah, it's been through <laughs> a lot. 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Lord, the 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 owner of it, you know, he he he's got a personality on him, you know. Well, bring it here. Bring it here. Let's see what the damage is. It's in half, so I'm assuming pretty bad. Yeah, mm. it's pretty. Yeah, worse for wear. Probably needing something entirely new, but he does really prefer this color and cut, and I think he would he would appreciate just a, a sprucing up. Okay, okay. Hmm. Oh, my. This has been through a lot. This is not the first repair. No. Or the tenth. Hmm. I don't know a lot about what Travis does with his clothes. Well, he's been stabbed quite a bit. Well, that, that tracks. That checks out. Yeah, huh? Some of these should have been lethal. Are you Corsairs? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Jonet. We, we're a real open book at this point. Alex, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just so impressed with you. Thank you for... Oh, it's very easy uh, to tell things about people from their clothes. Also, I do want to remind you, you did literally shout things in the shop next door. Again, the that, that helps a lot with kind of the magic trick of the whole a of, thing. A lot of yelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for being straightforward um, with us, though. Oh, of of course, of course. I, I we don't normally get well, we used to get a lot more travelers, but it's it's been rare in these past couple of years. Uh so you're getting the full show. What a show, huh? <laughs> okay. Um so uh, could you actually actually I'm just gonna sit down. Um I don't feel very comfortable. John, you you do the transaction okay uh really what we're looking for your you know what your nice coats uh we need to take it into measurements but uh this is a guy that's really uh if you can't salvage this thing then we need to get something that's uh on par with this is a really fancy guy who also likes to make people very furious with his actions and everything else so something that screams, I see. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look at me, look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me, but look at me, please, mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really loud. Mm-hmm. I see. And uh, I am I can tell that this is a gift, but kind of a begrudging gift. Yes. An yes. Is it romantic? Oh, God, no. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. no. Oh, that's a shame. Ugh. What are the, wait, what were the options uh, if it was romantic? I, I mean, it would, you know, depend on the fit. Oh. Uh, if it were a gift from one lover to another, every time he put it on, it could feel like an embrace. Oh, that's really sweet. Uh, but no, it's definitely not that. Not a lover. Not no. a romantic, no. Okay, so then a friend. Uh, it's like a yes. one-sided... A close but, friend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's an it's an apology for <laughs> it's because of uh, us that we uh, need to get this we're here and we kind of ruined a, a coat. Ah, you've destroyed the coat, of course. Okay. Uh that that should be simple. Uh I'll just need a vial of blood. Uh, excuse me? What's that? Um a, a, a lock of hair, too, would be nice, but we can start with the blood. 
I'm sorry. I I'm I guess I'm new. Typically, a transaction is an exchange of money or currency. In, in oh, or- oh, I see the problem here. Uh, no, no, no. The blood is not my payment. The blood is what I need in order to begin. I will be taking half my payment up front, which will be in gold, not in blood. Uh, and then right, you will deliver the blood to me, and I will... I'm assuming that uh, this person is not coming in for measurements. Otherwise, they would be here with me, and I would be here to measure him. Johnny walks up to one of the models that is clothed and he takes it and he begins inspecting it and looking at it for smell. He smell, sniffs it. He's like, I don't smell blood on this. And then he like does a small lick. I don't taste blood on this thing. Don't taste my clothing. Well, don't, <laughs> like, don't. You, you made it seem like there was blood movie. everywhere. I'm curious. <laughs> I do most of my measuring through magic. Oh. I need something to give me the sense of a person. And one of the easiest things to get from people is blood. His? It seems like he bleeds a lot. Like I've said, this person has been stabbed quite a few times. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... So is it I mean if you don't want to give me this person's blood you could always bring them into the shop and have me measure them. Honestly, I think getting his blood would be way easier than getting him here. I got the impression that that would be the case. Yes. If you just hang around him for 10 minutes something will happen. Someone will punch him, he'll fall into something as a trick as a as a as a prank. Oh, God. Why is everything so hard in this port? Why can't we get the tarp that we need? Why can't we get rid of the schemalic? Why can't we just buy a sword and a spoon? Why does there have to be a representative of the church who's taking over the entire town and we have to deal with it? Why can't we just buy products in exchange for goods and services? Why is this all so complicated? Well, I can say on my behalf, uh, you brought me a torn in half jacket and you didn't bring me the person who is going to wear the new jacket that I made. So I'm offering you potential solutions. As far as everything else, the church is here because people are frightened. Frightened of what? That's what the Lacrima said. Frightened of what? Some of the older people have been having dreams. We are a coastal town, you know. So occasionally things get whipped up into a frenzy. People think they see lights on the water. And when you see lights on the water, your days are numbered. It wasn't a big problem when the red feathers passed through. But like I said, they haven't been passing through as much. So... There's no show of force to keep the coast safe here right now. So they, well, I say they, Adrian asked the Lacrima to come here. And the church answered that call. Hey, uh, Alex, was there ever a time where Nordia was attacked by, when was the last time they were attacked? 
Nordia has never been attacked. There, mm. there is no history of an attack, and for the most part, it's something that is supposed to be impossible. Uh, we used to be uh, part of a, a bay, if if you will. Uh, Back when Lower Nordia was a thing, Alex gestures vaguely uh, to the window outside overlooking uh, the coast of the town. This all used to be a bay, but uh, water has been rising over the last couple of decades, slowly swallowing up the town that used to be, and we've moved higher and higher up on the cliffs. From the beginning, we were a low risk for attack. But once the bay got buried so thinly underneath the water, there'd be no way for the mariner to drive his ships up to our shore. I apologize for my tone mm-hmm. and also for my lack of uh, understanding about your town. It's, I shouldn't come in as a tourist and make judgments. There's nothing to apologize for. I, this is something that you couldn't have known. I saw or I heard that your ship landed uh, during the storm. So you couldn't have seen the, the buried sandbar. I personally think uh, it's it's perhaps a little bit overblown. I have certainly had no strange dreams. Not that I have any idea what would uh, a vision from the mariner warning you that he's coming to chop you up even look like, but uh, it's supposed to be geographically impossible, at least very unlikely. Well, uh... But if the church makes people feel better, it's good that the church is here. And to be honest, some of those guards are spending money, which is something we desperately, desperately need. I don't even know if the mariner were if the mariner were to come here, I don't know if that ship would do much of anything to ward off the danger, but if it makes people feel better. Exactly. If it makes people feel better. That's how I think about it too. If the mariner were to show up, I'm sure uh, any skyship could rain down cannon fire and we'd all be safe and happy as they chase them off. That's the theory with the red feathers, anyway. Um, the church is similarly armed, so I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, that's better to maybe leave it that way, then. Well, all right. So how much blood do you need? Oh, just one of these vials. He delicately slides a glass vial across the counter. Uh, Gable has been kind of touching the walls and ceilings that are all covered in like em- embroidered cloth and has been thinking you could put that on our order and i think i'd like to place a second order as well oh are we finally being fun <laughs> yes i need new it's it's not fun it's practical i need new oil skin coat it gets, it gets rainy of course. Well, all fun starts out as practical. The The question is, what else did you want from it? 
Now, I can tell with this thing, uh, he gestures flippantly to the garment bundled up on the counter, that uh, we need a bit of flash and panache. Anybody who could upset you as much as this person has clearly upset the both of you, but also inspire the care that this person clearly has inspired in both of you, needs something flashy that fills a room. What kind of statement do you want? Ooh. Gable's just kind of looking at their feet. Alex moves over to Jonnet. Tell me about them. Who is your friend? Gable? I mean, yeah. Gable is, Gable's a rock. Gable is, they're the most disciplined person on the ship. They're the most uh, forthright. They're, they're super strong. They are caring. And they're always there to lend you a helping hand or to scoop you up and put them on your shoulder, on their shoulders. I think they are uh, reliable and, and dependable and and someone you can go to when you're in a fix. Mm-hmm. Well, your friend seems to and have... a little pent up. <laughs> uh, Alex giggles at that. Your friend seems to have a lot to say about you, but what do you have to say about you? Gable's got their hands like shoved deep in their pockets, very flushed. I, I. I'm tired of hiding. What an interesting thing to say. Can I measure you? Uh, please. Alex steps out from behind the counter and pulls a ribbon with him. It's a ribbon that looks like it is tied up in a circle and he moves to you and uh, starts measuring you in, in various places. Um, what are you hiding from? Well, we're Corsairs. The entire world, really. Yes, but the best Corsairs don't hide. Or at least the really famous ones. Well, maybe that's the point. Are we looking to be the next Oromar Vale? Ooh, I like it. Uh, I can tell you that no one can be the next Oromar Vale. Well, I've heard plenty of stories about that. I think we could do something for you. Uh, so, an oilskin coat resists the rain, but not hiding anymore. Yeah, we can do something. Uh, can I get your palm? Uh, I suppose. He moves his hand down your wrist and across the lines in your hand. He makes a bit of a strange face as he touches certain lines. And then he smiles at another, frowns at a few, and grins lasciviously at one. Well, I can see that we've been very lucky recently. Very lucky indeed. Alex, you need to keep that to yourself. There's a child here. Oh, no, I want the tea. I want the tea. Give no, me... absolutely no, not. No, no, oh, let's talk this tea. Come on. Abs- absolutely not. Oh. We were not. We will not be doing this. You are 15 Alex, years old. Alex winks in Jonnet's direction and uh, continues reading the palm. Well... 
uh, sandwiching your hand between his. I think I can make you a magnificent garment, one that will make several declarations to the world and the heavens themselves. But it will cost you. That's fine. We have money coming from every which way. We, we don't know yet, but I've got plenty of gold on hand. Well, as long as you can get some of that gold onto your hands, uh, from your hands onto mine, then I think we'll be able to make a magnificent arrangement. I will make a coat uh, that will make your friend very happy, which I imagine will in time make the both of you very angry in the most affectionate way. And I will make you a coat that will inspire fear into the hearts of your enemies and passion into the hearts of all of your allies and various other relationships that you keep. With that, I will need a down payment. Uh, let's call it 30 gold bars. Uh, do we have that? Right? We probably uh, do, right? You definitely have that. It is starting to dwindle a little bit. People are at a festival and they are currently partying and drinking through everything in the ship's war chest, mainly because they know they've got a payday coming. So they can pretty much spend through whatever's on hand and it doesn't matter. So I think it might be a bit of a race if you want to ensure that you can afford that right now. Uh, absolutely, we can. If anyone says that we can't and comes in here and from our crew and says that they have 30 gold, do not believe them. We have it, me and John it here, that it's ours. Our yes. ship is filled with liars. Don't trust them. Trust us. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, then I will need 15 gold bars to begin work. And some blood. From me? From Travis. And I don't know his name, so I won't say Travis. <laughs> from your friend. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Jonnet, I feel uniquely prepared to gather blood from Travis. If you want to go grab some gold from the ship, I think we're ready to shake hands. Okay. Jonnet flips the vial at Gable to hopefully catch. <laughs> oh, oh, no. It hits them in the face for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop it. Hand it. Hand things. Sorry, hand he, things to people. Sorry. He reaches hand down, grabs the vial, then hands it to them. Always needs to do things with panache. Use your hands. <laughs> sorry. Lord. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll be back with I'll be back with gold bars. All right. So Jonnet skips off. Like an energetic young boy should. Yeah, yeah, big skips. A lot of hang time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's some fucking hang time in these skips. Yay! Yay! Gable, you walk out of the shop, I imagine? Or are you still there? Oh, I just want to say, mm -hmm. it was a real pleasure meeting you. Thank you. It was interesting to meet you. I don't mean that in a bad way. That sounded really rude. <laughs> I apologize for that. Uh, you've got some very intriguing lines on your hands. I think we both know that it's good I was being measured because I don't have a vial to give to you. Now that is very interesting. You, do you know that you are the first person that I've met like you? There's not a lot of us left, huh? Oh, I, I 
might need to make something clear. I don't know specifically what's going okay. on with you. Okay. I just know then, that something's going on with then, you. Then never mind. It's then like never kind mind. of a big deal. I'm going to say <laughs> never mind. Just d- dream it in your in your brain when you go to bed. Have a an imagine and everything's. I'm a human person. Okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> okay, uh, bye, lovely. bloodless. Bye. <laughs> Dang it. As you walk out of the store, you can see across uh, like the sort of busy, bustling area, there is Travis standing there in front of a cafe. And Margaret is currently on his arm and pointing you out. Who's, who, who are you Margaret to is, right is linked uh, with Travis's arm and pointing to you. And Travis looks... Well, what does Travis look like, Johnny? Uh, he is very glad to see them. And I think that there is a look of urgency on his face. Travis! <laughs> Travis, I, I need a vial of your blood. You want me? <laughs> I need it. I need a vial of your blood. Your blood, I need... Travis! I can't, I can't hear what you're saying. Travis, just walk over here. Travis, I need your blood. Just, Can you give just, me... Okay, I'm going to walk over. Just walk over here. I think they need your, your bud... Are you holding? <laughs> it's just, it's far that, away. It's farther away that than canon? I thought. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. So, uh, so I need your blood. I need a vial of it for the nice man to make you a coat. So do you want me to just like punch you in the face? I could take it from your nose or I can cut you on the hand. But just can you, if, you, if we could get right oh, this, this one. <laughs> ah! Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I hate that I'm laughing at this because this is essentially the joke that Johnny made for basically a literal year on the show before. <laughs> oh, on this I mean, same show. At least a year. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten very good at um, manual humor. <laughs> manual digital humor. The manual humor comes automatically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. First up, we are in our last day of the Kickstarter for the first season of Skyjack's Courier's Call. Courier's Call is our all-ages approach to the Skyjack's universe, and if you want to hear it, there are already seven episodes up over on the Skyjack's Courier's Call feed. But right now, we're in the middle of trying to produce a full season of this show. Thanks to all of you, we've managed to hit the goal that will allow us to produce it. Which means you'll be getting one and a half times the world of Sphere that you get right now. Because we're in the final stretch for this Kickstarter and we funded, we're looking to hit one more stretch goal in our last hours. If we manage to get to $12,500, we'll be able to order a new Skyship portrait from Ben Zweifel, who designed the original Uhuru. We're at about 11000 now, so that is just 1500 away. If you haven't already, please head to bit.ly slash couriers season one and back the project. I am so excited to get more of the world of Sphere into your hands. And with Drew, Ali, Aaron, and Palomi, I have an incredible team to do that. Once again, that is bit.ly slash couriers season one, and that's one as in the numeral one 
or you can head to Kickstarter and search for Skyjack's Courier's Call. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Alexander George, thank you. Jay Marshall Smith, thank you so much. Aaron Bacall, thank you. Evan Weiss, thank you so much. Matthew Clark, thank you. Pen Pal Pixie, thank you very much. Miranda Wayne, thank you. Zerwiski, thank you so much. Uh, and please let me know if I've mispronounced that. Uh, you can do that by sending a message over on Patreon. Warren Schur Holmes, thank you. Abby Altman, thank you very much. James I. Delouette, thank you. Catherine Accardi, thank you very much. Jeff Stolark, thank you. Connor Clark, thank you very much. Al Kennedy, thank you so much, Al. Al recently had me on his show, Desert Island Discworld, where I got to talk about my favorite Discworld book. Mac Mercure, thank you. Brad Moyer, thank you very much. Ryan Alcorn, thank you so much. And Jacob Trop Mugglestone, thank you very much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to produce this show without you. If you like what you hear on Campaign Skyjacks and you want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast. There you can become a backer and get access to bonus content, like the relatively recently posted world-building session that we did for Nordia. There you'll be able to see what we actually knew about this place going into the arc, and how I decided to pay off on those ideas for my players. That's on top of lots of other great bonus content for our other shows. Thanks to everyone who's signed up already, and everyone who's going to sign up in the future. Now with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky! Margaret, would you care to give me blood? It seems someone's being a little bit obstinate about the coat that they want. The nice no, magic man wants it, and I, I'm I didn't. afraid that I've wandered into an extremely kinky situation that I'm not quite prepared for. Hey, first of all, same. Second of all, no, gross. <laughs> second of all, maybe. Second of all, no, gross. <laughs> Alex needs blood to make Travis's new coat. You know Alex, What's... right? Oh, yes. The, the tailor? Yeah. Oh, he's okay, very well, nice. Give that man your blood. Okay. Why didn't you say that to begin with? Because I thought that you would just do it. Do you have a vial? Yes, he gave me a vial. Why wouldn't I get... Of course, he's got to give me a vial. He's the blood tailor. Why Margaret a places a hand on Gable's arm uh, and makes <laughs> meaningful eye contact with Gable and then looks back to Travis I can tell that we're building momentum right now. And I'm going to stay some of that momentum. I think we can get blood. That doesn't seem like that's going to be a big problem. But you two need to have a very large conversation. Do you want me here for that? Uh, would you be offended if I said no? Of course not. This is all to your comfort. I'm going to need you to gather some things for me, and those are going to be very uncomfortable things, and I'm not going to be able to help you with most of them. Mm -hmm. So if you can have this conversation alone, then have it. But something to think about is if you start building towards the pattern that you normally have, 
you're not going to be able to say the things that you need to say because you never say them. She pats Travis on the shoulder. I'll be back when you need me, and I'll know. Does anyone have a knife? What was that? Well, I'll I'll tell you in a second. I, the, the, how urgent is this blood? I mean, if you want the coat now or later, we need to get the blood right now. Okay, well, do you have a knife? Yes, I do have a knife. Of course I have a knife. Where is my knife? Do you have a knife? Travis, oh, no, uh, right. there's a quick flash of <laughs> you not having your knife and having to get your hand cut off eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gable has one, like a, a little pocket knife. Uh, yeah, Tra- Travis just cuts like in the crook of his arm, gets some blood, puts it in the vial. Thank you. All right, so I don't know what it you're doing, but I'm going to go back to my thing no, and... No, wait. What? I need to talk to you. I know. Ugh. But you're the only person who would understand. <sighs> Fine. Fine. This never goes well. Well, I might have an out for you. From me. I'm gonna be right back. Okay, uh, I'll just be here. I'll just hang. I'll just hang out. I guess. I'll just wait. You better, idiot. Uh, Gable walks back to the tailor and uh, drops off the blood. Travis is just waiting. Oh my! And you seem to be in distress. I'm gonna have to have a talk with my friend. That sounds horrible. I know. Ugh. <laughs> uh, can you? Uh, this 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 is gonna sound silly. Can we? Can we? Can we make the coat purple? That doesn't sound silly at all. Okay, it's just it's, it's just a, a color I like. Anyway, uh, uh, I'll talk to you soon, John. We'll be back with the gold. All right, bye. What, you exit the shop and once again you see Travis standing not too far outside and you make eye contact with one another. You're about to have a very difficult conversation, which is something that I think you two avoid having on the regular. The distance between you is, it's not that far, but it seems vast. And landing on a building just out of sight for both of you is a curlew that looks down with its large yellow eye. We cut over to Jonnet. Jonnet, you're approaching the Uhuru. Are you diving right in? What's going on? I think... Jonnet probably left the tailor in kind of his maybe more typical, like super excited, I'm running an errand, whatever. Uh, So he leaves Gable. And as he gets closer to the Uhuru, it starts to settle in that he's getting closer to the water. And so he's still moving quickly, but it's slowing down as he's trying to, as he gets closer to the Uhuru and the water, just to like, be mindful of himself and like control his breathing just to stay calm. And you bump into someone. 
immediately bodily. It sends you both tumbling over and that person drops a basket that they had, which is full of clothing and it spills all over the street. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was, I was kind of preoccupied. Oh, wow. This is a lot of clothes. Uh, she is piling things back in. Oh, uh, God, now John there's it, mud on them. John it tries to pick up maybe just like a, a towel, a white towel that now is like a little bit brown. I'm so I'm sorry about this. Uh, I can I can uh, I can fix this. Uh, can I, I make a can I make a roll for uh, magic? Just to like pull the uh, water, dirty water out of it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> I'm gonna call this average, or no, hard, okay. but take a blue die. Okay, hard, but take a blue die. And you'll need to spend two strain on this, as you would with any spell. Word. So that is two successes. Uh, so yeah. You do hand movements, kind of that we saw Traveler Quan do back in Bujanith. It's reflexive to you uh, in a way that kind of halfway through the spell surprises you. And without touching it, you grab hold of just the water and flick it away. Uh, It carries the dirt with it. Uh, These clothes that moments ago were stained with muddy water are now once again just regular dirty. Uh, I don't know how to fold this right, though. Oh my! Yeah, God, I know. Thank I'm you sorry. So I, much. I, I I'll learn how to fold it, but I you have to show me first. Oh, you must be, you must be a uh, 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 one of the visitors from the ship. Y- yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with the the bigger ship. Well, I know that. I know everyone on the smaller ship. Uh yeah, uh we we're reported because we've got we got a bad case of schemolic. Are you coming to services tonight then? Services? Uh, I'm Adrian. I am the speaker here. Uh, I mean not not fully. I, I'm I'm not a Como yet, but I'll be taking the robes soon. But I, I lead the congregation in our meetings, and I imagine as a traveler, you probably need someone to watch over you, especially if you've been blessed with the ability to perform miracles, mundane as they might be. I I mean I I've kind of been blessed a f- fair amount of times today. Uh, <laughs> And yours doesn't involve any kind of, I don't know, flicking and rotten eggs smelling vial that you keep. Oh, close. no, I haven't learned any of that stuff. Oh, okay. I, I, I can just do the regular sort. And you're in the church across the way? Uh, we have a meeting place. There's no official chapel here. Uh, the, the one that we had flooded out, but there's a cave that we meet in. Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice cave. I know how there's a cave that we meet in sounds, but it really is a nice cave that a lot of members of the congregation have worked very hard to, to make feel very homey. Uh, 
Uh, okay. Is is it? Does it have anything to do with uh, Baganalia, or is it just kind of like your everyday sermon preaching? More, more, more everyday. I mean, typically around Baganalia time, I remind people of the temptation to sin and all that. But did you know Baganalia actually has uh, some real cultural roots that go very well with the scripture? Really? I, I mean, I, I, I just got walked through Baganalia yesterday, and honestly, my head's kind of spinning. But if I don't know if you got. There's stuff that says that uh, it might help out. Uh, what time? Uh, well, we uh, do a sermon usually uh, just before the sun sets, so around around six, seven. Okay. Is it cool if I bring some of my friends? I would love for you to bring some of your friends. Bring as many people as you like. Okay, well, some of my friends are kind of rowdy, so I maybe won't bring them, but some of them are pretty chill, and I might bring them. She puts a hand on your shoulder. Bring as many people as you like. Uh, I'm so rude. Uh, what, what's your name? Uh, Jonnet. Jonnet, it is so nice to meet you. Yeah, um, sorry about, again about the clothes. If you need help folding them, I, I've got to run an errand and, and grab some stuff, but I'll be right back if you... If you if you need a hand, I would love to take any help you have to offer. I'll be just down the way, uh, in in that building over there. Just knock and ask ask for Adrian, and I'll answer right away. Okay, I'll be right back. I gotta go see a man about a bl- blood coat. <laughs> she looks at you strangely as you dash off. Where do Gable and Travis decide to have this conversation? Well, we're not having it sober. <laughs> Johnny's gone. <laughs> Damn it. Jonathan. Johnny's peeing right now. <laughs> oh, wait. Does he have his headphones on? Can he still hear I us? I think so. I hope so. Yeah. If Johnny can hear us right now, piss once for yes, piss twice for no. Little drip, drip, drip goes the piss, drip, piss, drip. piss. Little drip, drip. <laughs> I really hope we're getting to him right in the middle of peeing and like he's laughing and it's just, you know, I hope he's, it's going everywhere. He's having a good time because we're f- fun, good friends. Fun, good friends. I'm, I'm just hoping there's like an earnest movie level problem in the bathroom right now <laughs> just, that's happening because of the things that we're saying. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like, oh, oh, what am I going to do about this? Uh, piss. Slip. <laughs> Oh, oh well, Buster. Oh, now I'm get peeing away. in the air. Now Buster's peeing in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how we were all three of us were like wrapped up in Jonnet's conversation with that lady that we didn't even know that Johnny left. <laughs> I I saw him get up and I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay, bye. I, Fuck I, off. All yeah, right. I didn't even notice that. Johnny, did you have a good pee? Johnny, how was your piss? I was I was getting dinner. Uh-huh. Oh, but That's I was a, listening. Your pee. Oh, I heard good. everything you fucking said about me. <laughs> <laughs> dinner is a kind of piss if you think about it. Dinner will be piss. At least of some it. of it yeah. is going to end up as piss, right? Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish I wanted. I wanted just like a screenshot of 
James, you you said that, then you like pleaded to the camera. I was like, some of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Please. Oh God. I hope so. I don't want this to be in my body forever. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's the fear. Like, oh, it's never gonna go away. Oh. Good. Uh, Johnny, Liz, where's this <laughs> very serious conversation going to happen? Well, as I said before, it's probably not going to happen sober. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if we're going into deep details, I think we're probably doing it in the captain's office. Oh, mm. so you move back towards the ship as well then. Because prying eyes, prying ears. Yeah. So so we, I think we're just going to open on you in the captain's quarters, which does mean that this conversation takes place when you are alone, but also Oromar Vale is there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Which Absolutely. is very funny. I feel like it's the three of you seated at this table. Very good. Uh, Gable's not seated. Gable is, I, I assume the captain has like a bar or mm-hmm. like a secret stash of liquor somewhere, Gable is rifling around trying to find something decent. To, oh yeah, to, to share. I think there there is a good. Well, I guess that's an important question. You have been in charge of Oromar's Vale's offices for at least six months. Uh, did you drink through all of the decent alcohol that was there, or? Did you I can tell some? you this as as quartermaster. The one thing I do pay attention to is the alcohol. <laughs> so, so it might and might I, have even been seven months or what have you. But oh, I, yeah. I was sure to replenish the good stuff for us. Yeah, that's right. Travis Travis plays Illimat and he wins Illimat. So I'm sure you come by with Rock nice pen. bottles of flicker all the time. What's your poison? Do we have um, world-specific liquors, or is it just like what we have? So, uh, I mean, we could make up world-specific liquors. I mean, bog wine is a world-specific sure. liquor. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is still, hey, you're taking a base sugary substance. Uh, you are then letting it ferment and you're distilling whatever ferments from that. Uh, things like sugarcane rum, uh, that'd be pretty easy to make. Uh, you know, oh, I know I want to pull out something that I know is Travis's favorite from like decades ago. Ooh. Malort. <laughs> God. I mean, Ugh. actually like something disgusting. As I feel a- like, yeah. yeah, I could see yeah. him being into, a Malort type. <laughs> He's into Malort. That's very funny. Because this conversation mm-hmm. is not about having a good time, so why should we have a good time drinking either? Yeah, actually, f- does is Gable kind of into this too? It feels to me like very much both of you are the type of person that would be like, I want to be drunk, but I don't want to enjoy the process. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And like having something that's way too strong for normal people but we've had years of practice yeah yeah i think i think this is like kind of a tradition uh that you have the few times in your history where you talk to each other and really talk you do it over a bottle of this vile stuff that looks like piss 
And now doesn't taste could, that different than piss. Piss might be a little bit better. If we could get Jepson's Malort to, to sponsor, sponsor us. <laughs> oh, you heard of old Seaman Jepson. <laughs> he used to be quite the, the tall talesman. Yeah, it's called Jepson Seaman. <laughs> Jepson Seaman Reserve. <laughs> I, I like the idea of it being a bitter liqueur. Um, what color is it? Green. It's Malort. It's Malort. <laughs> it's green? It's, yeah. Okay. It's, so it's green Malort. Or Malort. Well, Malort is like a like pissy a yellow. green. Yeah. Malort is yellow. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I guess it is Chartreuse. Okay. Kind of. Chartreuse. I mean, chartreuse oh. is chartreuse. <laughs> okay. It's like a fermented mossy root or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like herbal and rooty. Uh, with a real bitter aftertaste. Uh, you know, like Aquavit also is like probably kind of in the same family of, of things. It's it's a bunch of different herbs that are distilled into this kind of thick, uh, like maybe two or three steps down from syrupy liqueur. Hmm. Oh, sorry. I was reading about Malort. <laughs> no. It's... it's- it's a so the type of drink is called a Basque, which is a subtype of a Bronven. Hmm. If any of those are uh, have a good mouthfeel to you. I mean, Bronven sounds cool. Basque sounds cool. That's a Star Wars thing. It is a Star Wars thing. Hmm. Yeah, B R A with the two dots N N V I N. So this is a the type of drink that this is on Sphere is a Dengar. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just called Dengar. Yeah, let's, yeah, you know what? Yeah, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? (laughs) I mean, Dengar sounds gross. You don't want it in your mouth. When you say it, it's sort of, you reject it (laughs) physically as you say it. All right. That's, yeah, who, yeah, sure. Uh Uh-huh. I'll have a Dengar because who cares? (laughs) Gable pours three for each of them. Yes. (laughs) And then holds one up and says, who cares? And downs it. And then the next two. Uh, why don't you pour one for the captain, too? If he's going to be here. Are you going to make him d- dance like your little puppet? No, I'm just going to have him drink it. Where'd it go? I, You know, I never really considered the implications about whether or not he does bathroom. <laughs> Surprising that that hasn't come up, right? Hmm. I think we flash back to Dref talking to you. Dref has explained <laughs> how the captain does bathroom like <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> every time you ignored his explanations and asked him again every time, he would try to tell you, I've already told you how this works. And you would then bully him into telling you again and <laughs> almost immediately start ignoring him as it happened. Uh, Who's to say? Who's to there's say? No, there's no way to know. <laughs> we may never know. Uh, Gable does pour one for the captain. So? Margaret can help me. And she can fix it. She can fix me. Fix the arm? That's great. That's what you wanted. Well, I have a choice. 
she can fix my arm. And I'll go back to normal. Or she can continue what you started on my arm and remove the curse completely. What? How is that possible? I don't know. Travis, you know that's a lie. And you know that's a lie because the reason that it's possible is sitting across from you. Margaret's told you as much. Well, it's... It's you. You started it and she can finish it. I didn't know she could... She's an incredibly powerful. Amplifying magic like that is no small feat for someone who is of a limited lifespan. It, but no one no one should look that bright in the morning after such a long night. There's I, something going there's on. There's something. There's definitely something. So, that is unexpected news. What are you going to do? I'm scared. Why? Well, I... I mean, it is a a curse, of course. But I've gotten so used to it, I never really considered what it would be like to... live and grow old and... and die. And I don't know if I'm ready. Of course you are. Of course you should be. You should take it. You should take the chance to be normal. Would you? Huh. I thought... I thought so. It's not like we're completely unharmable. They've killed a lot of us. I thought I... A while ago I would have said yes, but I don't know anymore. Huh. Interesting. There's nothing worse than having to live so long and losing everything and everyone over and over and over. But I've also been able to use this time to do so much and meet so many new people. And I never could have done that. You're not tired yet. In a perfect world, you would get them all the time that you needed. And then be able to make the choice, but the right thing presents itself at inopportune times. The question I need you to think about is her. What about her? Will she come for you? 
I don't know. If the curse is broken, I don't know if she can. Will you miss her? There's something nice about knowing that for better or worse, someone's always watching you. Watching over you. I mean, two people. Well, I tell the captain to watch me, so it's kind of like... The captain winks. (laughs) (laughs) What, What would you do if I was gone? I mean, I'd still be here. I know, but... I mean, I've got decades of you annoying me. How cool would it be for me to keep on being awesome and alive while you get so ugly and old? I can't think of anything better, really. But then what? It'd be fine. Liz, is that a lie? Yeah. If that's a lie, then Johnny, I think Travis knows that's a lie because he told he's told it before and he tells it all the time. But really, what would happen? Because here's the thing. I know that just like Dref and just like everyone else I've ever known, every member of this crew, including Jonnet, will die. But you won't. And you've always been there. And I've hated it. But you've been there. And I don't know what I would do if you weren't. And I don't know what you would do if I weren't. I really don't know. I'll make you a promise. If you choose this, I'll find a way out. Is that possible? I don't know. But I don't want to think about what it would be like if I... if there wasn't. You idiot. Uh, Travis pours two more shots of Dangar. Take flight. Take flight. So we move out of the window of uh, the captain's quarters and we move over to Jonnet, who has recently uh, taken money out of the like vault or, or whatever is aboard the deck, the, the, the chest where you keep uh, petty cash <laughs> on, on the Uhuru. Um, you come up to the top deck and waiting for you as you sort of step out 
of uh, the stairway uh, from down to the cargo holder, the ladder way. I, I really don't know what the construction of the ship is, and <laughs> I should think about that at some point. It's fine. You could just say that it's a, oh, it's in spear, it's called this. <laughs> As you step up, you see sitting on the edge of the ship, which is mostly unoccupied right now. I, I think there's scant little crew aboard, mainly because a lot of people are working on the ship and there's a friggin' festival going on. Everybody's out there just partying. You see three curlews perched on the edge of the ship looking at you. All three of them are looking at me? All three of them are looking at you. Janet takes out his pack, which has the gold bars. He reaches mm-hmm. in, he grabs a gold bar, he checks the weight of it by tossing it a couple times, gets ready to throw it, and then he puts the bar back, and then he walks up to the birds, and he says, I don't know if you can understand me, and I don't care, but I'm going to need you to get off my ship, and he like fingers at his revolver. The birds don't flinch. They just look at you with those glassy eyes. I said, get off of my ship. And then he like, he takes a big step towards them to try and fake them out. As you do, you hear the ocean. Something that was in this scene already, just in the background not important is brought to fore. You can hear the crashing of waves against land. It's as if someone just turned the volume up on that particular bit of the atmosphere and it fills your ears. You find yourself transfixed by the look of these birds and you feel a sudden internal urge to look towards the sea. But there's also something inside you that reacts against that violently, that fights at it. What do you do? He's just going to not necessarily throw himself, but stumble off of the ship if he can. Because to do that, other than like looking out towards the sea. The sea gets louder and louder as you start to feel disoriented and stumble around. I like the idea of you saying that you want to step off the ship. You can hear a lot of banging in the background, but your vision is starting to blur. It feels like the rest of the world around you is moving and waving except for those three curlews that are watching you. And it's moving and waving to the rhythm of the sea as water crashes in and recedes back out and crashes in. There are sounds in the distance that sound hazy as though you're hearing them through water that sound like screams and shouts and something louder still than that. A booming something. You fall back. 
down towards the ground, or what would be the ground, but you land and it's a softer landing than it should be. You feel feathers around you. Your vision starts to come back. The sound of the water recedes as you find yourself on the back of Flea, surrounded by very confused and distressed dock workers as Flea has broken free from his cage. You get your wits about you just in time for Flea to take off into the air. Flea swoops around and dive bombs these three curlews and grabs them in his beak and crushes them. Scotty Jackson. I have returned, my friends. I'll apologize for the length of wait, but when your significant other asks you to give a good night to the novices so they might go to sleep, then you do so. Now, where were we? Ah, yes. Next would have been the red Aldrin that came off the shipyard. It was about a year after the yellow Aldrin had taken flight, I believe, but by then... We'd already had about two roots under our belts and had a rougher understanding of the monumental cause we had espoused ourselves to. I had known for quite some time that we'd not be sending the Red Audrey into guys rife with battle, like the Yellow Audrey. Rather, I wanted to see the Red Audrey bring our services to those in more remote locales. My good friend, Adrian Yegemund, whom I had had the pleasure of knowing since my youthful wandering days, took captaincy of the Red Aldrin at my behest and planned out a route to some of the most backwoods places I had never had the pleasure of hearing of. I thought for sure he'd get lost out there beyond the edges of our map, but uh, Adrian, uh, he had a theory. Now, Adrian was a fantastic bird rider in his day and put a good deal of faith into his lion birds he loved so much. He packed that boat with almost 13 birds, that first route, and mock me, but if he didn't come back to Thornvale flush with tales of many a successful run. It worked so well, we decided that the Yellow Aldrin needed birds too, as well as any other Aldrin we'd be sending out afterwards. But maybe less than 13. It took us a whole month to scrub the smell out of the Red Aldrin after they returned. But to this date, the Red Aldrin is an Aldrin known not only for its ability to pick and train the best birds, but also for its expertise in said birds. With them, the Red Aldrin can reach those distant towns that would be considered too small for consideration for uh, other skyships. Now, I will say I was concerned that the Red Aldrin would be too focused on the birds, a sentiment that Adrian could not seem to find a problem with. But he assured me that his Aldrin would be the most well-rounded. He put together a curriculum of subjects from sailing to marial carrying to wilderness survival and everything in between. He promised me that the Red Aldrin would not be a single cord 
but a harmony to the entire courier service. And mark me, but if that isn't true. Now, in Adrian's day, I know he chose only the most adventurous apprentices to ride his Aldrin. Courageous, yes. I do not believe you could become a Swiftwell courier without some fire in your heart. But Adrian also was intent on finding those that were hungry for the thrill of exploration. He wanted apprentices that looked for the unknown, sought the unexpected, and most of all, had a heart as big as the sky. I'd say the Red Otterne is still the same as it was in Adrian's day, but now the Otterne is under the captaincy of a certain Silas Dennison. That adventurous spirit is still cultivated, I hear, and honed, but Dennison puts more stock in efficiency and following the book. He runs a tight but efficient ship, and I've never heard any complaints about his results in the seven years he's been captain. Now, don't let him tell you I told you this, but I suspect he's a good man, if a bit dour. He's earned his trust a hundred times over. For now. Well, would you look at that? I think the fire's getting a mite low. You'll go and fetch us some more wood, would you? It would give this old man a chance to catch his breath, and when you return, we'll speak of the Black Aldrin. You'll not want to miss that, my friend. No siree, not at all. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like Session Zero. Session Zero is a discussion podcast that seeks to explore the psychology of role-playing. Each episode will feature role-playing concepts, stories, and tropes viewed through the lens of psychology by clinical psychologist Porter Green and industrial organizational psychologist Steve Discount. Be sure to join them on the couch for the next session. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, One Shot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y. Or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the 
strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends ne'er to rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky